yeah, like you said, goal line clearance is a lot of good play. Feisty at times, I think Arsenal's still count is higher than Chelsea. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I could never see myself putting on another jersey. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. Hello there, and you're very welcome along to episode five of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. For our podcast listeners who've got this on a Tuesday, you can see that Paddy Andrews is indeed back in his hoodie. His hood is up, but James O'Donoghue is here. After his double stag at the weekend, James, that we can call it a double stag in Prague. How double are you stag. doing? How I'm are doing. you here? You've only landed about half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no, I'm doing better than expected. But luckily, some good Irish bars in Prague saw all the games. Wow. <laughs> good man, that is commitment. Fair play, boy. What's it like watching the dubs getting beaten in Prague? <laughs> it was it was a 9 out of 10 night and it just went straight to a 10 out of 10. No, I'm only joking, but it was... Um, it was good. There was actually good atmosphere in the Irish bars over there watching the football. So, you this was this was Saturday night over in Prague, and you've been on the beer for about twelve hours. You don't remember that match. <laughs> <laughs> you had to check Twitter the next morning to see who won that game, Dublin or Mayo. So, I'll be giving it the big one here. Like, go on. What was your give us your five word assessment? Like, what did you make of the Dubs' performance? <sighs> to be fair, they're making the most uncharacteristic mistakes. For the last couple of games, really, aren't they? Like, they're not kind of... They don't seem to be making any good decisions. And they're just coughing the ball away time and time again. And Mayo hurt them. But I'd, I'd worry for Dublin, really. They don't look... They don't look... Um, they don't look themselves at all. You didn't have to watch the match back to know that, eh? <laughs> Paddy, tell me about your weekend. You were at the League of Ireland on Friday, were you? I thought was, yeah. A bit of a buzz back about the football there in Dublin was, again. There was, we've... Uh... Couple of buddies here. We were, we were over in Talla at Shamrock Rovers game. Uh, so hey. there's a good crew of lads there. They were having a few beers. I actually drove across. Uh, but it was, it was a good buzz. There seems to be a bit of uh, energy around it this year. Duffer obviously going into Shelburne. And we got over uh, Friday night lights. Uh, it could be good crack throughout the year now. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely freezing on Friday night. So well wrapped up. And then the weather just kind of got worse over the weekend from. The rain in Crow Park for the Dublin Mayo game. Some yes. brave souls on Hill 16. I was watching it. It looked grim. And then yesterday, we've had three rounds of the National League and all three weekends have been absolutely catastrophic weather. Like watching the the conditions in Killarney. I always thought it was just sunny in Killarney 365 days a year. Anytime <laughs> I've ever been there, it's beautiful. And looking at it yesterday was bleak. And it was such... It's so hard to read into these games. When you see... The first half, Donegal playing into that breeze. Then poor old TG Carr going up to Oma again and just gale force winds and sleet and rain. And Kildare and Toronto, to be fair to them, despite the conditions, put on a really, really good game of football. They did, yeah. But it's it's so hard to, 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 for players to perform in these conditions over the last three weekends. Some of the games obviously fell foul. They just couldn't go ahead. And the ones that did, it was just tough, tough conditions for teams to to go out and perform. But still, some some interesting results from yes. the weekend. And we kick into March now. And we've said all along in the pod, when you start reaching the end of March and you start seeing the end of the National League, you can start getting a real read on where teams are at, where players are at, what tactics are being implemented. And we're starting to see that already in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the next couple of weekends are going to be very interesting. We're starting to get a story on the season um, after three rounds of matches. So looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, tough conditions for players at the weekend. 
James, how did January and February football suit you <laughs> during your days as a Kerry footballer in the inside forward line? I suppose, yeah, they were tough. They were tough. Mentally, those months are kind of are difficult because you probably put in a couple of months of gym. You might be, you mightn't be as fit, obviously. You're carrying maybe a little bit more weight because you've tried to bulk up or do do different work. And then you're coming into, as you say, those those conditions. They are just horrible. I remember we played Monaghan down in Killarney one time and the pitch was completely frozen and they had to they had to basically dig out the lines before the game just to to have it any bit playable and we played away and we got we got a good dusting off from that day. Did you? Yeah. It's so rare that they're called off because yeah. like we've yeah. touched that. The window is so tight and even at this season more than ever with the championship being condensed and being brought forward, there's not really scope to cancel games. There's not many free weekends to rearrange them. We've obviously seen February is mental anyway with the, the college's fixtures and we've spoke at length about the challenges players and coaches and inter-county teams face that, like if you look really at some of those games, should they have went ahead? I know some were called off but you're up in home and look, like the pitch in Healy Park was probably waterlocked. <laughs> yeah. Never mind then the wind and the snow and the rain. And, and it just got that, worse. Yeah. It did. And it was just getting worse and worse. And it's. Did you see the clip in. Uh, did you see the clips coming out of Chadwick's Wexford Park when Wexford was supposed to be a tip in Division Four? <laughs> yeah. And they had the lads on the field warming up. And it's like a hurricane blowing across the field. And these boys are trying to go through the warm ups, trying to get their body right. And the game is called off. And actually. Do I have the quotes here? I have the quotes somewhere here, but I must dig out John Mahan's quotes on the weekend. He was raging that Offaly were made travel to Galway. He woke up Sunday morning, looked out, texted the Offaly secretary and said, this game surely must be off before nine o'clock in the morning. No, pitch inspection at nine, game is going ahead. Mahan looked at the weather forecast for, for Salt Hill for 12 o'clock. No chance of this game going ahead. They had to get on the bus, they get down there, they're down in Offaly and they're told, right lads, game is off. Rightfully so, the game is off. Um, Salt Hill, there's a gale force wind in Salt Hill in July <laughs> and August. Never mind when there's actually a storm on the West Coast. Like that pitch is hardly playable at the best of times. Yeah. Like I see that the, the clips on Twitter of... The Hyde. Park. Yes. Jesus, the Roscommon Clare game. The posts were blown away. There was literally yeah. not going to be posts left on the pitch at the end. And that game went ahead. And then obviously the, the the clip that was doing the rounds from you were at the game, Tom. You no, I wasn't. I haven't been to me game it. yet. No, no, it was Jordan uh, Morris taking the sideline. Jordan side Morris line. kicking the sideline to try and equalise it. And Do you see this, James? It goes yeah. out for sideline. <laughs> the, the ball blows back to him. What, was he going for a point? I think he was. I think he was <laughs> going for a point. <laughs> a strange like decision, looked, anyway. The ball came back to him. Like that's phenomenal skill. Like, to pull like that one. I've seen Jordan Morris kick points from there in, in club football and county football. Just with the with the weather, I don't know. Maybe the wind changed. I don't know whether I'll give him the benefit <laughs> of doubt for that one. But uh, Jesus, it just came straight back at him. Unbelievable stuff. And uh, they were lucky because down went down and hit the crossbar. Then, yeah. So Mahan, what was Mahan saying? Oh, he wasn't happy. Yeah, yeah. He was he was raging you, after the game. But you, you wouldn't be because like you, you probably tailored your training for the week to prepare for this game. You get a sense, you can see like the whole country knew <laughs> three storms in the space of a week. But it's like, gonna be tough conditions on the west coast. Yeah. And leaving it to the last minute to call it off. I don't know why there's a need call a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, because Mon is saying like Tomas O'Shea drove up from Cork and they have another back backroom member who drove down from Belfast. And they all got the go away at 12 o'clock and then they're told the game is off lock. So he said it beggars belief that it's they're leaving it so late in the day. Like the one team, I suppose the one game that had to go ahead and the venue was moved 
was Leitrim London. That was originally fixed as a home game for Leitrim. And London had travelled over. They were there and they end up beating Leitrim. So Leitrim had that horses, great win. Dark Horse is an unbelievable story. One of the stories of the, of the year so far. But did you see Lond- uh, London's first goal? In Thailand, at the end, very end of the Sunday game. Oh, they'll be Leitrim will be raging. Leitrim hit the bar in the last minute of the game to win it. Underside of the crossbar, bounces back out. But London are against the wind in the first half. I think they might have had a point on the board. Leitrim are seven points up in a good place. And the Leitrim keeper comes out to try and intercept the ball. And he gets lobbed from 40, 35, 40 keepers, yards. So. This is what happens with these goalkeepers. It's happening. Although, do we need out. to go there again? Shout out to James Calliff, the loud goalkeeper. He fields the ball in midfield in injury time against Limerick. Sends the ball in. He's the goalkeeper. Had played in midfield. Had played out in the half forward line, and he makes the platform for uh, for Loud to kick the winner. Morgan nearly got cut yesterday with Toronto as well. Daniel yeah. Flynn went for it. Not many players go for it. No. And Daniel Flynn went for it. Morgan, to be fair to him, actually saved it. It was uh, he did well in in the end. But this is, yeah. I think we are going to see this throughout the year. Teams, teams are going for it. They'll be ready. The They'll be ready to go for it. It's you're gonna see some calamities across the board trying to mirror what Began and, and Morgan and these guys are doing. Look, it's gonna for us it's gonna be great to watch, but Jesus, there's there's some car crash stuff that, that you're seeing, and I think you're gonna to continue to see it uh coming into the summer as well. So what's the worst weather you've played? Uh do you know what? I know we kinda of laugh at always the West Coast, I have to say. <laughs> Castle Bar, Mikhail Park. I remember one we played them maybe 16 or 17 and it was like the second game of the league. So it must have been like the first week of February. Full house in McHale Park for the Dubs coming over. We Well, I think it was 17 maybe. We, we beat them in the final year before. So it was a massive crowd. And I mean, it, we, we could hardly run out of the tunnel onto the pitch. It was literally a gale force wind, sheets of sleet coming down. And I remember watching it back. We ended up winning the game like 8-7 or something. An absolute nonsense game of football. Mm. There, was, there was nothing to it. Yeah. Um, both teams, obviously, you couldn't play your normal game. It was just a slog fest. And I remember we, watched, we were watching clips back and TG Carr were looking at the warm-up. And there was lads literally hiding behind each other behind <laughs> the shield for, from the rain. Like, and it was just incessant for the full 70 minutes. Um, that was bad. I remember towards the end of my career, we played Ross Common. Again, it was a storm. It was a proper storm, weather warnings and stuff. And there was snow over in Hyde Park. And we ended up, we, we won the game. It kind of settled down in the second half. But I remember going out, the warm-up in the first half was like diabolical. Not having, not having this. Every player is there and it's like, this is not great. <laughs> Everyone is thinking, can we not just knock this on the head on both sides? Is there a type just, of player though that loves that? No, I, I don't. Not at that. Not when it's that bad. Like no. this is like minus two, minus three. Sleet coming down. Okay. And I just, I think it's gas. The crowd's going to the games. You see, Maliki Clerken had a great uh, article in the Irish Times. The headline, I didn't, I just seen the headline on Twitter. It was um, anyone who was at the Kildare Tyrone game that had a choice not to be there needs their head examined. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I could get on board with that. I could, I could see that watching it on TG Car. So, look, it is. It's just this time of year, the National League, you're always going to get the early rounds. You're going to be up against it. And you just got to deal with it. You got to try and perform, try and get a, a few results. And then towards the end, the end of March, 
um, the last couple of rounds. One, I think teams start focusing on you. You're starting to get closer to the championship selections and mm-hmm. the weather's a bit better and, and you get a proper sense with them. But the last three weekends have just been so difficult for teams. Yeah. And so hard fair to play believe. to the players and fair play to the supporters for getting out because the crowds have been big, which is great. Um, but it's it's probably not the, the highest quality fare in those conditions. Yeah, because psych- psychologically, a team probably does get better value from pulling a result out in those conditions. Like, because you can probably reference it for the rest of the season. You can say, lads, we went down here and we had our backs against the walls. Like, managers do use that. So, like, a, a win like that can be almost like two wins. Did you see the Twitter clip during the week? I'm not laughing at the lads for training, right? I'm laughing at the selector, whoever, who put it up on Twitter but there's a club team I can't I can't think of where I saw it but there's a club team out training in the storm during the week yeah, and the lads are running in the rain but there's just a selector with the phone out saying go on lads you'll remember this bank it you'll remember this in the summer yeah. <laughs> which is true they will but I was just putting it up on Twitter I don't know about that right that do, do you know on that and I'm sure we'll get to it I think it was a really big win for Toronto yesterday obviously the conditions and things like that, but after the the fallout from the Armagh game, yes. missing, I would say, probably their four best players through suspension. And also, like that game was getting away from them. They haven't had a great start to the season. There's kind of question marks. You know, They've won the All-Ireland. Are they back at the levels they need to be at? Are they a bit behind other teams? They go four points down against Kildare. And for the life of me, I'm looking at that going, this is this is a big win for Kildare. Mm-hmm. A big opportunity for them to get two points on the board. And Tyrone turn it around and win that game by a point. Now, they're possibly lucky in the end. Kildare had big chances to, to get something out of it. But for, for Tyrone, using their squad, giving players opportunities, missing key guys in those conditions and coming from behind. I just think it was a big win for them. And they go and play Donegal this weekend. And that could be the start, like as James is saying, you can get momentum from the strangest situations and you see Myler standing up. McCurry, who's been probably quiet in terms of his output compared to last season where he was shooting the lights out in every game. He comes up with big plays and gets on the score sheet again. It'd be interesting to see Catron follow that up. Obviously, the guys are back from suspension. It's a big game. They have a big rivalry with Donegal, obviously. If they can get a win in that game as well, that's the sort of momentum we're talking about that can push teams in and be that kind of nearly a starting point for the season yeah. for them. So it was, it was a big win for them to turn that around and get the two points against Kildare. Definitely. We'll come back to that game. It did look like Darren McCurvey was, Darren McCurry was back in the groove this week, which is great to see. Um, so yeah, look, really good show lined up again this week, folks. Um, we're going to run through some of the stories of the weekend. We mentioned London there. We'll come back to that. We're going to talk a bit about Mayo. We're going to look at the, what, it's realistically the relegation playoffs next week between Dublin Kildare and Donegal Tyrone. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to go around the grounds, chat a bit about some of the games that did get played. In fairness, there was only four games postponed at the weekend. So fair play to anyone who kicked the score this week. We might have a, a bit of trouble picking out our score of the week, but we'll get there with it. Uh, there's some still some quality scores picked out. Uh, there's a heap of questions being sent in on the, the Football Pod Instagram page. So thanks very much to everyone who sent them in. We'll get cycled through about seven or eight of them. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get through this. James, we're going to get through this with you. I know you're just <laughs> off the plane. You're just off the bus home. You're only in the door. But we're, we're going to get through it. Just before we move on to some of the stories of the weekend, here are the results from this weekend. So in our, up in Armagh, a draw. Armagh won seven, Monaghan 10 points. We had Dublin 12 points, Mayo 211. 
big win for Mayo. Kerry won 13, Donegal 7 points. As Paddy mentioned earlier on, a big win for Kerry down in Killarney. Tyrone 2-7, Killarney 12 points, so one point win for Tyrone. Derry had a big win over Cork. So we, we spoke briefly about Cork football two weeks ago. We'll probably come back to them again very soon. They're going to be in Talchon Cup danger alongside Mead, alongside Down, alongside Offaly, who are all in all in a bit of bother down in Division 2 at the minute, all in danger going into Division 3. Mead drew 2-6 to 2-6 with Down. We mentioned the, the sideline that went back over the sideline there in the last minute. Down didn't score in that second half. Um, There's crazy wins in that game again. But Mead could only kick three points in the second half. There's four goals in the first half. And then in the hide, Roscommon drew nine points apiece with Clare. So, you know, Clare with another 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 big result there again. They're still in the mix for promotion to Division 1. So, um, serious going there. Up in Division 3, there was two games called off. Fermanagh Leash and Westmead Longford was called off. Galway Offaly was obviously called off in Division 2. Um, and in Division 4, Sligo Cavan and Wexford Tip were, were called off. Those games haven't been refixed as of yet. We're recording on Monday night, but we expect they'll be on the off week in two weeks' time. Um, Antrim bet Wicklow, still up around the top of Division 3. And Limerick were beaten by Loud. An unbelievable result for Loud down in Limerick. Mickey Hart's men. Samuel Roy kicked eight points. And I don't know whether you saw his outside of the right boot score um, yes, on, the, on the league Sunday, but I'll be putting that in as one of my scores of the weekend. Carlo got themselves back on track. A 2-12 to 2-8 win over Waterford. They'll be delighted with that. And one of the results of the weekend, in the sense that London have won again and they're sitting pretty right up there towards the top of Division 4. They bet Leach from 2-5 to 9 points. Um, that game was moved to the Connacht Centre of Excellence, not into the Dome. It was played outside in, in horrendous conditions. So brilliant games lined up. We're going to get stuck into some of the games in the weekend and some of the stories. This is episode 5 of the Football Pod with Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. We're going to be back right after this. You're welcome back to episode five of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James Dunhu, and we're going to get right back into the action in Croke Park on Saturday night. Paddy Andrews, how good or how bad were Dublin in your eyes this weekend? Um, I actually thought they were a little bit better. I thought there was signs of improvement, certainly from if you're going from from the the baseline of the Armagh performance, where you know, there was really worrying trends you were seeing there. I thought the first half as a whole from both sides was one of the best halves we've seen to date this season. It was like a traditional Dublin Mayo game. It was full on, high intensity. The quality was a little bit better from both sides. Second half became a bit more cagey, to be fair. It was a, it was a lot tighter. There wasn't much scores. Um, positives, I would say, for Dublin, getting guys like Johnny Cooper and Mick Fitzsimons back on the pitch, they are obviously massive influences on the team and on that defensive structure um, worrying signs that probably have continued over, over all three of their games again it's that a Dublin scored 12 points they did one goal chance that Rob Henley makes a good save off Lorcan O'Dell but that cutting edge up front and that cohesion up front just doesn't seem to be there yet and you can kind of say in defence I would say there's been so many changes week on week Desi Farrell, to be fair, has come out from week one and said, we are going to use young players in this National League. They're not overly concerned about the results. And I understand there's frustration among Dublin supporters and, and there's a reaction in the media because it's so rare that you've, it's been so long since Dublin have lost what's now four competitive games on the spin from last year's All-Ireland semi-final. But you are going to get that inconsistency. And that's probably going to be the case over the next four games as well. Young guys are going to get opportunities Lee Gannon, Sean McMahon, Lorcan O'Dell, Ross McGarry. 
that is what needs to happen in that team. That there's been a huge turnover of players. We've touched on this already. What Desi Farrell is looking for out of this league, I, I, he's not overly concerned about if they win the National League or not. I'd put Dublin, I'd put Kerry in the same category. Does Jack O'Connor really care if, if they win the league or not? Mayo. I feel like Jack nearly wants to make a statement this year. Dublin Kerry won the league last year, Tommy. Dublin Kerry joint won the league last year. That was completely irrelevant to both of those teams. Okay. I would say that. There wasn't even a league final. I think the top teams in Dublin, Mayo, Kerry over the last number of years, James Horn as well. What a successful league for them will be. Can we get three or four players that when it comes to the championship in July and August, that I can look around to my bench and say, yes, he's tested. I can put him in for 30 minutes in an All-Ireland semi-final or an All-Ireland final. Because that is where those teams need to find that. You look mm. at Kerry, Dan O'Donoghue on the full back line. Yes. Can, can they settle on who's, what's the best midfield partnership? Kerry have a lot of pieces there already, but they're looking for two or three players. James Horan, we've touched on this, especially with Tommy Conroy out. He's looking, is Aidan Norm a guy we could use in an All-Ireland semi-final or an All-Ireland final? And you're starting to see signs of that. Dublin are in the same boat. They need... They need a guy like, is Lee Gannon an answer that we can play in the full back line? Because we've lost Philly McMahon and Keenan Sullivan. They're, they're the things that Desi is looking to get. Of course, you, you'd like to pick up a couple of results along the way, and there is question marks around that. But that's what's got that inconsistency you're getting from Dublin. You're probably going to keep seeing that, but you need to find out the answers about these younger players. I thought Ross McGarry was, was quite good yeah, in the first half. And again, Dublin need need a guy inside that's going to... Paddy Small is injured. Dean Rock, Conor Callahan's injured at the minute. Who are the guys that Dublin can bring off the bench that can make an impact in the summer? So there, there's positive signs, I, I thought, in that. I thought defensively, they looked a little bit more solid. But bear in mind, the two goals they give away, and this is a challenge they're going to face. Teams have identified Dublin are susceptible to a really quick transition and direct ball. You could see it, particularly Aidan Norm's goal. It's a long kick out by Henley. Dermot O'Connor wins it, and his first instinct is to turn and launch that ball inside. <laughs> I think he scuffs it, it, but it's still the right thing to do. The yeah. idea behind it, that is clearly a, a really fast transition. They are hurting Dublin. And Dublin need to be aware of it, because that is not going to change. Every team they come up against is going to target that full back line. And that's the... The benefit I see of, of getting Johnny Cooper back on the pitch and getting him minutes, getting Mick Fitzsimons, is probably a little bit rusty at the weekend. You could see that, particularly with that goal for Aidan Norm. But I thought even by the second half, they were starting to get back to being a little bit harder to play against. Davy Byrne and, and Fitzy started to get better in their one-on-one duels. I thought they, they kind of marshaled Ryan O'Donoghue quite well, who'd been quite impressive, obviously, in the earlier games from Mayo. But Dublin need to address that because teams are going to be relentless in targeting those quick transitions and they're going to pepper that full back line with direct balls. But that, That's just, where the likes of Johnny Cooper and, uh, will come in and benefit. But slight improvements, but still, look, there's no getting away from the fact yeah. that there's plenty of areas still to work on and that's you're going to see that over the next couple of weeks. But the younger players are going to keep getting game time and, and ultimately when you get to the end of of March and the end of this National League campaign, Desi can look back and say, I've given these guys seven matches mm-hmm. and I've given 15 guys, look at the team that finished, I've given 15, 16 guys game time. And if out of that, he turns around and says, well, look, 10 of these guys are not up to this at the minute. They're not ready. 
and, and, and it will be probably that sort of number, but he can turn around and say, well, there's, there's five or six that they are live options for the Leinster Championship starting next month. Even if it results in potentially relegation for Dublin. And, and that could be the case. I still think a lot will come down to the game in Newbridge this weekend. But even if, if that's the case, but Desi unearths four, five, six guys that he can use in the championship, I think he'd probably take that for the, the national price, A price we're paying. Yeah, I think the I price we're so. paying. That's I think Dublin are at It's now. interesting, Paddy, because with Kerry's situation, Jack O'Connor doesn't actually want to use subs as much as anyone else in the country. He seems to leave the 15 lads on for as long as possible. I don't know, like it's kind of maybe a different stage of the development with the dubs that they are trying to get a, a couple of more bodies in. But Jack seems happy with his 15 or 16 rather than Dublin have always kind of had 21 or 22 very strong. Yeah. But Why is Jack doing that? Is it to give more leg, get more game time into the legs? I don't know. I don't know. And even in the games that they've, they've been pulling up well in, he doesn't seem to be giving the the Tony mm. Brosnan or, or these fellas the, the added minutes. And I was actually listening to... Um, a rugby podcast just about the, the Irish team and they were saying uh, the 50 caps is what they target to get a fella before it gets really serious into a World Cup or whatever. They need to have hit 50 caps so you mm. can be mentally prepared and you have the experience to go on and, and actually perform at that level. Because as you say, if you haven't done, if you haven't put the minutes in and you're tossed into an incredibly pressurized situation in All-Ireland, yeah. you're going to be cut up. You're going to be cut. Yeah, yeah that's really and interesting. That's, that's really interesting, yeah. That's the question. They're, Dublin were in a, a situation for six or seven years where there didn't need to be experimentation. Where, where Jim at our peak, if there was three or four guys injured or three or four of the, the more established guys were taking time coming back after the previous season, there was no drop-off because the depth of squad and quality was there. That injuries didn't really matter. It didn't influence Dublin. That's not normal. That, that is an abnormal situation to be in. Where Dublin find themselves now, and, and look, there's no getting away from it. The depth of quality is not there. That is obvious. You can see that. The younger guys need to come through and establish themselves. But Dublin are now in a normal situation for teams where if they are missing two or three key players, now it does have an impact. Yeah. Like, like, like Dublin, for the for our time, we had Jack McCaffrey, Rory O'Carroll, Dermot Connolly, Paul Mannion, all these guys step away at different stages and it was completely irrelevant to us. I remember like Jim would come into the dressing room in February or March and say, Rory's gone for the year. Literally as flippant as that, he's gone travelling or Jack is gone or Paul is gone or Dermot's gone. And it would literally just be that. And what's the reaction no, in the room? No one bats an eyelid. It's like, okay, grand. Now we're going out to train. Genuinely, that is the reaction there. Because it, and it didn't impact us. We went on and we had literally 30 players. So if you lose two or three, of course you'd rather have them than not. But because of the depth, it was, it was really genuine. Our mentality was irrelevant to us. We'd just go, okay, that's an opportunity for someone else. And there wasn't a huge drop-off between... Like I remember in 16, Rory and Jack both left that yeah. spring. They were both all-stars. I think Jack was player of the year. And yeah, we still 15, went on. We, yeah. we went on and we won the National League and we won the All-Ireland because it was just, okay. I remember the evening. It was just, they're gone. We went out and trained and just got on with it. That's not a normal situation for teams. We, looking back now, you realise that was, the depth that was there was nearly a, a freak that everyone came along at that period. 
Whereas now, injuries do matter to Dublin. The, the infallibility that was there and the aura of invincibility, that has been chipped away. There's no, you can dance around it. There's no denying that. Whereas Dublin now, if Conor Callahan and James McCarthy and Mick Fitzsimons and these guys are injured, that makes a huge difference to how they perform. And, and you could see it again, and particularly in their attacking play, missing someone like Khan, and, and we're crying out. You can see Dublin's passive style of attack and the ponderous pace at which they're moving the ball up the pitch. They need, they're crying out for someone to be in there that they can be direct with, that they can start putting in and taking risks with these kick passes. And you look at, at particularly even Saturday night, guys get the ball around the middle. I know Brian Fenton wants to kick the ball in. That's just his game. He's looking up. Can I put a 50-yard kick pass in? And the option isn't there. Because, there, one, you've had three or four different players in the full forward line, loads of different combinations. There's not really a structure. There's no cohesion there. And that's understandable because yeah. you've got different players every single week. Like Ross McGarry starts half to, or a minute in the second half. He comes off. Lorcan O'Dell goes in. They're just not on the same wavelength. And also, like without someone like Khan there, that's a massive strength of his. You can put the ball in anyway and he is going to get it. And then he said, well, can we put Kieran Kilkenny in there? And I've seen people kind of asking, can Kieran play in? So, but then who plays at number 11 and transitions the ball up the pitch? Again, we'll come back to that. We have a good question on that. We'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. Three or four years ago, you could do that with Kieran because you had Dermot McConnelly or Kevin McMenamin or, or anyone to play at number 11. The depth isn't there and that's a normal situation to be in. Dublin need their key players back just the same as if Kerry or Mason Clifford or O'Shea, there's a massive drop-off. Yeah. That's where Dublin are now. They don't have the luxury of, of the depth they had three or four years ago. And it's going to take time for younger guys. And they have to be given the opportunity. And, and the harsh reality is, in, in April time, Desi's going to look and go, well, I gave these guys seven games, put them in against the, the best players in the toughest conditions, and seven of them didn't, it didn't work out. Thanks, lads, but you're going to have to go back to their clubs but there might be three or four that say they've passed that test. They are going to be useful to us in the summer and beyond in the starts of their Dublin career. But that's where they're at at the minute. That's the reality. Like you mentioned earlier, it was hard to get a read on, on teams this weekend because of the weather. It was also hard because of, I suppose, the 15s that were there. Like in fairness to James Horn, he brought Jack Kearney in after a brilliant club campaign. Oshie Mullen was back to his first game out with his first match in, in a long time and fair play to me, a brilliant game. Brilliant uh, game Michael yeah. Plunkett and Dermot O'Connor were exceptional. Aidan Orm is somebody I've, I've been really impressed with. I saw him make his debut for Mayo, came on against Leitrim off the bench last year. I, I was at that game. He only looked like a wee fella, but he seems to have booked up a little bit. He's had a good club campaign uh, where they won the championship and not more. And he looked really, really confident playing out there the last day. So, But it is hard to get a reading because it isn't the white heat of championship. I have a question about the defence, Paddy, that I'm going to put to James, right? So 13 seconds into that game, Mayo win the throw in, 10 seconds in, and they bomb it straight into Jeremy O'Connor. But it wasn't about the pass. It's the fact that the Dublin defence it's like an under-12s move where you just all run to the sideline and it's wide open. It's like the goal that scored in the All-Ireland Final Dublin after 10 seconds when James yeah. McCarthy bombs through and flicks to Dean Rock. But Mayo did it to them at the weekend. It was just, that, that, that was kind of mind-boggling to see. And then when Jack Kearney gets his goal, there's so much space there. So I know you said that they did improve defensively with their one-on-one duels and you could see that and you can see the job they did in Ryan O'Donoghue. James, in 2015, your Kerry side went up against Dublin in the All-Ireland Final. Uh, you were All-Ireland champions. You had a savage full forward line. The options on the bench in Donaghy, you'd really go at half forward line. 
how did Dublin, like, because we're probably coming up against Dublin's peak defence at that time and probably one of your strongest attacks that we've seen in that Kerry team in the last decade. How did Dublin stop you in that All-Ireland final? I know the weather was bad, but defensively, like, we were, I remember the job that Philly did on Gooch in my head thinking about that. But uh, what was it like playing against that defence back then in 2015? It's interesting looking back now because I, remember, I think I said it on last week's pod, if I could go back and play that game differently, I would do so many things differently because we still tried to kick the ball, kick the ball, kick the ball in those conditions and we were just coughing it up. Um, and when you're giving the ball away to Dublin and they're breaking on you, what they do, I don't know, Paddy, did you used to talk about this in, in, the, in the changing room, but say if I was marking Philly and he might take me for a, a sally up the field, he might get a shot at the posts, we'll come back Someone else will mark me then, and Philly might do the sweeping role. And then, yeah. say if it was Keen O'Sullivan, he'd go on and all jaunt yeah. up the field as well. So you're and you'd follow him. You you have to follow them, of course. And there's, if, like, there's nothing worse as a forward. And we had we had this used against us a lot. Yeah. And our way, and to be fair with Jim, it was like if your man goes, you're going with him, yeah. no matter who you are. Don't be trying to pass him on. There's no license for you to stay. I remember having, <laughs> having harsh conversations with Bernard Brogan about this. And I was like, I need to stay, keep my energy and stay close to goal. And it's like, <laughs> no, you're not. Go back. And teams would target us. Darren Donegal, yeah. Yeah, Carl Lacey, uh, Anthony, Anthony Thompson, um, Paddy McGrath. And it's like, you knew what they're, they're nearly laughing. McGrath's not shooting. McGrath's they not taking not want shot. the ball. They don't even want the ball. They're literally running up the sideline like a mass run. And they're not, they're running away from the ball. And most Muppets had to follow them up the pitch. And by the time you turn them over and you attack, you're knackered. Like you're you've literally just done two lengths of the pitch in Crow Park. And the ball comes to you and you have no energy to do anything with it. So, yeah, of course, that was a. Uh, but that was a it, tactic we would have used against yeah. the opponents because it was being used against us. But, but on that question, in defence of this, right, you're comparing the Dublin defence in the 2015 All-Ireland Final to the, the defensive setup. I'm aware of that. Saturday night. I'm like, aware of that. That yeah. is a, a team at their absolute peak in peak season with some of the best defenders Dublin have ever had. And you're looking then at the weekend and you've got Sean McMahon, Lee Gannon, these guys, brand new to the team. It's not the same. And I, I think there needs to be perspective from Dublin supporters in particular and us in the media. I 100% agree Dublin's target is to win the All-Ireland this year. And, and, and their success or failure this season will be judged after. If they don't win the All-Ireland, the players, Desi, all of them will have fallen short. There's no way they're, they're accepting, no, no, we're trying new players, we're not in the All-Ireland mix. But there has to be a realism there that it's not the same Dublin team. And holding to the standards of arguably the best team in the history of the game, there is without a doubt going to be a drop-off in that. So to say they're not as consistent and, and James even, they're kicking the ball away and it's, it's not the same Dublin team. It isn't the same Dublin team. They're still targeting to win the All-Ireland, but to compare and say, well, Lee Gannon and Sean McMahon and, and these newer players... They're not as good as as Keen O'Sullivan and and Jack McCarthy at the like they're not at the level. It takes time to get to that stage. So I think that's an unfair comparison on them. I, I wasn't making I wasn't making yeah. a comparison there. I was more looking at the 
the contrast in how Dublin, like Colin Cooper doesn't touch the ball that day in 2015 until the 10th or 11th minute luck. But he's in shot. He's in camera. And I watched back that first 10 minutes again. He's in shot and in camera for so much of it. Like he's up and down the pitch. He's back in his, his own half back line. So I just found that interesting. And just comparing it to how Dublin ripped open Mayo in that 2020 All-Ireland final so easily after 12 seconds. And it was just happening at the weekend. It was as if Mayo knew we were going to be able you to do know. Them, of course they know. Yeah. You can tell a team's intention from literally set plays. Like the, the first two or three minutes, that's fresh in your head. You would have spoken about it in the week leading up to the game. You'd have spoken about it before the throw-in. That is an intention. Mm. That there's, If we win the throw-in, deliver the ball in direct to the full-back line. That, that is, whether you like it or not, Dublin's full-back line is going to be targeted it's going to be the same in Newbridge at the weekend and in every game they play. Yeah. Teams sense blood there. And, and like I said, there were improvements with Dublin, but then you still look at it. They give away two goals again. And the, the Aiden Norm goal is the one. And there's a point straight after that for Aiden Norm as well, where it's a really quick transition. Like I'm talking two kick passes, the length of the pitch. Dublin are under pressure in that situation. And that needs to be addressed. That structure, whether it's pressure out the, out the, out the pitch, and the kick pass is coming in, or it's Johnny Cooper coming back into the team who has that experience built up over years and years and years of where I need to be because teams are going to target this. You can't ask, or you can ask Brian Howard or Lee Gannon or someone to do that, but they don't have that experience of that. It takes time and learning over years to, to get to that stage. That's why seeing the likes of Johnny and Fitzy back, that's a positive yes. for Desi. But it's going to be... It's going to be more the same. Teams are going to keep targeting that. And there's going to be harsh lessons learned over but the that, next couple of weekends for them. That that Irish rugby comparison and the 50 caps is an interesting one. Like that game time is just so important. And as you said, Paddy, maybe, and we'll know a lot more after the weekend in Newbridge, maybe relegation is the price to pay for Dublin to rebuild and, and get that going again. We do have a brilliant question in on Kieran Kilkenny, but I'm going to move that to our Football Pod listeners question section. So I'm going to pause that for now and we'll come back to it. James... We also have a question on Aidan O'Shea that I'm going to move on to a little later. But James, the rest of Division 1, where do you see your quote-unquote relegation candidates slash the All-Ireland champions, <laughs> Tyrone, ending up after the weekend? They came through They're going for Jamesy. They're going for him. They're not happy with that. I'm pretty quote. sure Paddy Hampton's quote was about James O'Donoghue, the one on the BBC podcast recently, <laughs> that they're writing us off already. Yeah, Big that, win. Big win for them. That win was massive. Yeah. That win was massive. Because... What Duver would have done there is he would have said, we're completely up against it. We've, we've been treated maybe a bit unfairly with the four lads and the red cards. So we have to go out and kind of fight against the whole country. That's the way they'll be spinning it. So they're going to get this, this big kind of psychological wave behind them if they start, start grinding out some results like that. So, I mean, they're not playing the best football at the moment. They're, they have a couple of more gears in them easily. Definitely. Like they will be fine. They probably will be fine, but only because they won that game uh, this weekend. If they uh, even a draw there would have put them in serious trouble. But yeah. it would probably be a low points return to to stay up this year. They did look pretty decent, Paddy. Like McCurry's point a few minutes in, inside of the left boot, about eight yards in from the touchline. Gorgeous little score. The way he finishes that goal, and we'll come back to it in a minute when we compare it to some of the Kildare goals. Took it beautifully. But like Tyrone hit the bar about 
I think there was a record this weekend. Now, I didn't go and count it across the grounds, but the crossbar was hit more times this weekend than I can remember. But Derek Hanavan smashed the bar at one stage. They hit the post at another time, going for goal. Tyrone had their goal chances, didn't take them to the second half, and they needed their goal chances. But they will be happy with that performance. I think one thing that's interesting, Paddy, and I'll put it to you this way, Tyrone obviously had a very strong panel last year. They had a very they had a big impact on the bench. Their A versus B games, from listening to the players talk about it, were very competitive. But outside of the eight, 20 players they use in championship, 21 players, there is a lot of players that didn't get game time. We saw the Monroes, Cormac and Johnny get a start at the weekend. They were both very impressive. Patrick made multi played his first championship game in a couple of years, and he's been around the panel. And uh, a couple of others came in as well. Paul Donaghy, Derek Hannibal starting. Those players that don't get started in an All-Ireland final winning campaign who are stuck in the B team, what's it like then when you have your chance in the league? You are surely, you know... Bremen to get going in those games. Yeah, we, we touched on this. You have to be ready. And I would have found myself in that exact situation where your team has won the All-Ireland, but you mightn't have played as well as you could have or you weren't in the team and you feel like you didn't contribute as much. And the choice, of course, you celebrate winning the All-Ireland and you enjoyed it the, the couple of months after. But you've got to look honestly with yourself and go, well, how much did I contribute to that? And can, is there room for me to improve? Can I be better? And if you answer those questions honestly and you get feedback off the coaches, you've got to go away and put the work in to be ready for, for like you say, opportunities like that. It's not the case of, like for, for Peter Hart or Kieran McGeary and these guys who are absolute cornerstones of winning the All-Ireland. Mm. They can probably, they don't need to be at their peak the following February or March. But for guys around the fringes, like I'm thinking Carl McShane coming back from injury, guys like that. Canavan. You need, you need, kind of, you need to put down a marker in, and be ready to go in January and February. And yeah, it's not ideal. You'd like to be the main man and you can kind of relax a bit and ease your way into the season. But that's the reality. If you're on the squad and you're not one of the first names on the team sheet, you have, to, you have to force the issue. You have to go and perform in a McKenna Cup game or perform in a game on, on Sunday where they're suspended guys, you're thrown in at the deep end, and that may be your only chance. Yeah. That may be your only chance. And you can't turn around and go to, to Fergal Logan and Brian Dewar and go, well, I was having a crack with the lads in January or in December over Christmas and I'm probably not at peak fitness yet. And sure, look at the conditions were, were shit. How was I going to perform? Like, you don't have the luxury as a squad player or you're trying to force yourself into the team. You have got to take those opportunities because the, you're not going to get many of them. And, and that's the harsh reality of it. And it is harsh. You, you could do, you need to be able to grasp your opportunity. And again, the Dublin example, guys are getting chances on that side of things because there's spots up for grabs. And unfortunately, all you can go on as a coach is I've given this guy the opportunity in this game and, and he, he hasn't performed. He hasn't performed. I, I can't afford to keep putting him in. And, and it's the same. If you look at, at Toronto at the weekend, there was four suspensions. They're up against the conditions are catastrophic. And Logan and Dewar turn around and go, well, this is your opportunity, guys. Go out and take it or not. But don't come knocking. If you don't do it, don't come crying, knocking on the door going, oh, sure, sure excuses you've got to be able to take the opportunity and James was there a particular league campaign just from listening to Paddy there I started to look at you was there a particular league campaign where you felt like I need this to go my way 
I always had sticky lead campaigns because I was picking up knocks and niggles and things like that, you know. But I, there's nothing better than when you're going well in a season early. Because yeah. I found a lot of the times I'd be trying to time it to be right for championship. It's impossible. Uh, you know, fair enough for the older players. Sometimes they might say, "I'll take a couple of league games off and I'll come back and I'll be I'll be right for the championship." That would never, that would never be my choice. I think that I would rather get in the team early, lay down a bit of a marker, get yourself sharper, 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 and then you're coasting. But chasing form doesn't work. And I'd say, James, from a forwards point of view, on our position, if you can go out in January, February, March and kick scores and that and you're moving well. I remember 13, I had a great league campaign was kind of only breaking into the team. If you can kick scores in those conditions, by the time you get to April, May and it's beautiful out there and the wind is at your back and it's the pitches are getting harder, the confidence you have, if you can do it in those conditions, it just sets you up perfect for, for the summer as well. That, that so. must have been great though, week in, week out, Paddy, in 13, feeling that, that form. Oh, you get a match every week. Every, every week and, and Jim would obviously come in and we've given a couple of guys an opportunity and we we won the league. We won the league for the first time in years. I, we played Cork in the first game in Croker and I got mad at a match. I scored five points and it was a massive game for me because it was, I was in that situation like a lot of those Toronto guys. Dublin had there was an established group of players, they'd won the All Ireland two years before. I hadn't been a part of it, and it was like, and Jim had said to me, This is you're getting an opportunity here. And I knew if I didn't perform, there was pressure. And people are looking, oh, so it's only a league game in February. That might have been the case for someone like Stephen Cluxton or Bernard Brogan, like that. It didn't overly matter to their careers, they were established. But for me, it was like, This was massive. I had to perform, like, because if I didn't, I was gone. And were you that, nervous? That, were you nervous? Oh, shit, myself. Yeah, of course you are. Because it's like, and I put in the work over November, December. I trained like an even, so I was never as fit in February of my life. But I had to be because I knew I was going to get the opportunity and I had to be ready to take it. And I remember coming off the pitch that night, I got a man in the match, and I was kind of laughing to myself afterwards, just going, It was relief. I was like, Jesus, I can actually do this. And went on and, and, and the rest was was great from that point on. But that's the situation those players, a lot of players will find themselves in. If you're around the squad, you're around the fringes, and you get a couple of opportunities, and it's February or March time, you have to be ready. You can't turn around and go and try to time it for the championship. You yeah. won't be there in the championship. You'll be out the door. Yeah. So that's the, that's the challenge that, that and then Theron had at the weekend. And that's why it's important that they can win a game like that with all the circumstances around the game the suspensions, the conditions, the weather, the, the run of probably bad results, and they dig it out. And I tell you, Fergal Logan and Brian Deere will look at some of those players and the, the character they've shown to get them over the line and say, yeah, yeah these, are, these are guys, they've gone up a couple of notches in that. James, Brian Deere said afterwards that the goals were game changers for us. And on your way home in the bus there, I was shooting a couple of clips your way and we were having a look at <laughs> the difference asleep. The difference between the, the <laughs> Kildare finishes. And the throne yeah. finish. So Kil- Kilpatrick takes his goal really well. Um, felt like maybe Canavan had overplayed it and slips it to Kilpatrick, buries it. Felt like Myler should have possibly taken his points, but he slips it to McCurry. 
boy, does he finish that goal well. It just looks like it fell in his groove. And McCurry, it didn't look like it was clicking for him in the weeks before that, but it, it did this week. On the other side, Dara Kerwin, who's looking really, really good for Clare. Young lad, lot of size, kicked a great point just beforehand. He's put through and he is tearing down on goals. He must be going, don't know, 60, 50, 60 miles an hour. Probably not. <laughs> and he buries that ball like a rocket. But he hits it straight at Niall Morgan. He's one-on-one pretty much, tearing through in goal, hits it one-on-one. And then the last minute, Daniel Flynn, who who'd had a very good game, like he'd set up some great scores, scored some whopper points, bet three thrown boys at one stage and clipped one over. In the last minute of the game, you want a fella to produce something box office. Flynn cuts inside. He's coming in at an angle. But he just puts the welly through it and it goes over the bar. What, what were you thinking looking at that? I suppose we've all been in that situation when you're through on goal and <clears throat> your heart rate is up. You're excited. You have a chance of, of winning the game like Flynn, and Flynn had. But you need to settle down there just for a second. Just relax. Like we spoke on the pod a couple of weeks ago as well about maybe um, when you're really in the groove and it's like a feeling of time slowing down because in those pressure situations, everything is just happening so fast. But if you can just relax in front of goal, you don't actually have to do too much because the pace that they were going in at goal, like they were flying in. Mm. To control a blast of a shot is so hard. And then you take McCurry's chance where he almost did a bit of a fake in it, I think. He kind of opened up his body to put it to the keeper's right and he just brought it back to the keeper's left. Yeah. It was just class finish. He gave the eyes. He kind of whipped, whipped the foot back around it. James, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that you can actually hit a side foot hard. Yeah. But when you're going at that pace, what like when you are going at that pace, you're saying slow down, let the heart rate slow down, take a second. Like <laughs> you're talking milliseconds here. How should you be striking that ball when you are going that fast? I would say if you're going that fast, if you open up the body and hit a side foot anywhere out of the keeper's body, he, he's going to find it very hard to save. If you're going at that pace, the pace is already going to be on the ball because of your run. That's what I found anyway. If I was running flat as fast as I could in on goals, I could always take a bit of power off the shot because the power was coming from the run. It kind of sounds strange, but that's just the way I felt with it. And if one of the lads hit the deck with one of those shots, it was... It was back in that, you know. What, you, what were you? What were you like at one on ones? I didn't score many goals, but um, I just don't. You should, you should not be going with your laces. If you're hitting the ball with your laces, you're, you're the shot is out of control. You're literally just trying to hit the ball as hard as you can, and in some instances, it can work. Mugsy. Yeah, to be fair, like like saying, some instances he's not aiming for that. He literally no. swipes at it. <laughs> but, but you look at. And what McCurry does, and the best forwards, like I'm talking the clinical forwards, they will just, like how many times you see Gooch do it, like the poster boy for it, just roll the ball into the corner. And the keeper hasn't a prayer, like, and you, and you look at, McCurry's an out-and-out finisher. He's class, absolute class. We said it last year. And the contrast between him and Flynn, who is a box office player. He has massive moments, and he can do the extraordinary. But... Imagine he just has, and he, he doesn't have that composure. You see it time and time again. He scored a brilliant goal in last year's Leinster final, but he could go through 10 more times and he could have, that ball could go 10 different directions. But I think you, look can, at, you can learn the composure. 
you, you can't. That's what, it's it's surprising it. because if Daniel Flynn is inside, like he is, his physique, his athleticism, his kind of balance, he's so difficult to stop. You mm. see it with Tyrone. He's just gliding by, fellas. If he can just take the time, and I'm sure Glenn Ryan and Johnny Doyle is in there. I know for a fact Johnny Doyle is talking to him about this. When you get through, just chill out, Matt. Like your size, the speed he's going at, just take half a second. And that, like, if you look at, at Sunday, that bit of composure is probably going to, that wins them the game. If you put McCurry in that position, like I say, he gives him the eyes, just whips it into the corner, in step. You don't need to blast the ball as hard as you can. Find the corners. And that's the, the frustrating bit for Kildare because, like you say, their goal for the year, I would say, is to stay in Division One. That, that the management team has gone in there they've got to pick up points for them to develop and start competing to win Leinster championships and, and push on to where they feel they should be you need to be in Division 1 year on year on year you've seen the development of a team like Armagh have gotten from being exposed to the biggest games and if Kildare could have picked up two points there and if Dublin coming to Newbridge next weekend and they can nick a win there that more or less keeps them safe so, so they, they, they'll feel like they've left behind particularly with the situation Toronto were in. They feel like they've four points up, they've left behind a possible victory there. Um, and, and it's going to come down to, like, whoever loses this weekend in Newbridge, you feel is probably gone. Um, but so. you'd have to say, Kildare will back themselves this weekend at home in Newbridge. Like, there, oh, there have been good signs. And, like, Paddy Wood kicked a couple of points the weekend. Jimmy Highland is looking good. They'll know Newbridge as well. Anyway, Paul Cribben kicked two great scores in play. James, when you say you can learn that bit of composure. I'd burned the year off Jamie Clark. He was going in for a, an interview and off the ball a couple of years ago and outside the studio I was chatting to him and he, I was just asking him like, how did you practice scoring goals? And he said he'd, he'd stand 14 yards out in a warm-up for a game before training and he just rolled the ball into the corner. There wouldn't even have to be a keeper there. He'd just try and roll it in past the stanchion of the net. Just practice that little side foot in and out of the corner. How, when you say practice composure, it's one thing practicing scoring a goal. How do you practice that composure? Well, I suppose it's difficult because if you take um, an inter-county training session, how many shots is a forward actually getting at the posts? Or how many shots is he actually taking on a goalie? Like, it's actually very low. So Really? Even at inter-county level, yeah? I, I found this... You should, so be, you should be taking more of them. But it's so hard in a group. It's in a group. It's too yeah. hard because there's 30 players. How many footballs do you have? You want about 90 balls. <laughs> if, you know, if you're all going shooting. So he has to put in the time probably before training, after training. I used to find that, that, those, that those 10 minutes before training and after training was where you, you improve your asset. Whatever it is, is your thing. That's your time. So if he can pull a goalie, 20 shots every night, roll into the corner but otherwise when you're missing goal chances at the highest level you could be in a bit of trouble but, but the, the big thing with him because of, of the style he plays and his, and his physical attributes he's going to get these opportunities oh, nearly yeah. every single game yeah. I'm yeah, sure at the weekend three goal chances again. He does. he's probably going to get a goal chance particularly like Kildare I would say there's definitely going to be a phase this Sunday where Daniel Flynn is going to be on the edge of the square and Kildare are going to be launching balls in to, to try and target that Dublin phone back. He's probably going to get these goal chances again. And it's, I'm no doubt, Johnny Doyle, Dermot Early and the lads will have him this week. Just 
chill out because it's a, if you can score, can start converting those chances, th- that's the difference between relegation and staying up. It could be the difference between winning the Leinster Championship and not. Like it's it's so key at that level. If you get those opportunities, can you be clinical to take them? You look at the Monaghan are an example of this. They do loads of things right in the build-up, but they just they're not clinical up front, and it costs them. It costs them in games. They 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 could be for their build-up play and their their setup and their style of play. Again, ten points against them at the weekend. If they were a little bit more clinical to go along with McManus. Monaghan can push themselves right into that category of all earning contenders, but that's the difference. That the, the more clinically can be up front, that's the difference between winning and losing at the highest level. Was Desi Monan touched you? <laughs> oh boy! No, he was he was on to me about James. He has he has the reason. I'm not going to reveal it here in the pod, but there was a good reason why he missed your Sigerson game back in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. I Don't said, have you got James's policies, number? James. I said he's in Prague this weekend. Drop him a text on Monday, so he'll be in touch. With you, but Desi was in touch or he was tweeting about Conor McManus's red card at the weekend. He didn't think it was a red card. And uh, I said to Desi, I hadn't, I missed it. I, I left the game for five minutes, expected to see the replay at the, on the highlight show. There was no replay of the red card. So seemingly according to modern people, McManus's red card was very soft. So uh, I've no, no idea what happened. Reno O'Neill's penalty crossing the line. Did you see this? 100% of them. Oh, and like I was, I got a lot of, a lot of umpires and uh, different people on Twitter actually got in touch with my DMs to say that the umpires were actually in the right position. Man behind the goal, referee in line looking at it, another umpire at the other post. One is supposed to look for a point. The other one's supposed to be looking at the top corner and the other one's supposed to be looking at the line. I think there's only one place you should really be looking when there's a penalty and that's on the line. So mm. it looked like uh, Barry Cassidy had an unbelievable view. There's actually a better angle from the crowd on, on Cassidy's side. And look, it's going at, at speed, but I don't know how you missed that. Like, but uh, massive call there. When you say Monaghan being unlucky, like Michal Bannigan scored an unbelievable point in the first half and he was so unlucky, sidesteps the keeper and, and hits the outside of the post. That game swang in a couple of minutes there. Ushin O'Neill comes on for Armagh, has a big influence in the second half. They'll be happy to get out of there with a point while at the same time they're probably kicking themselves. Monaghan kept the ball for three or four minutes at the end of that game and couldn't work a final shot So uh, after McCarron's equaliser. So, yeah, it's uh, it was business as usual, really, in the, in the division one games and then down in Kerry, you know, pretty routine win. Donegal have an horrendous record down in down in Kerry in the league. Um, they had a fair few young young enough. Did a young enough outfit out the weekend? Like Conor O'Donnell has, has been a fellow who's impressed a few times off the bench. He started. There's another O'Donnell in the half forward line. They were missing a couple of key players. They didn't have one kick at the posts in the first half. They fisted two points. So Donegal. I don't know whether it's the journey. I don't know, James, what you were like traveling up to Donegal on the bus. Is the journey What down, would they have like, done, actually? I presume they obviously came down the night before. Would they fly know. down? Would you have? That's a long drive. Like, what would you do? Would you get the bus up and stay? Yeah, bus okay. up. We'd stay probably tonight. go bus, kick around in Galway area. Okay. Stay overnight. Day, I'll stay overnight. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. And don't. It is, a long, it is a long weekend. It's horrible. But like, if you look at, look at Donegal... They're missing, I, I feel, their two best players in Langan and Murphy. So, yeah. of course, there's in the sport touching that. With Dublin, if you take two or three of the best players out of the teams, they're going to struggle. You could see that with Donegal. The same issue, we touched on it last year. Ryan McHugh is an amazing player. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant player. But Declan Bonner and Ryan McHugh and Donegal need to figure out what 
how do they get use out of him? Because he is man-marked in every single game they play. And Jack O'Connor puts Tom O'Sullivan on him yeah. and just says, go with him. Match up for speed. Forget about everything else. Donegal can't afford for him not to be influential in the game. But he's going to be man-marked. It, it's going to be the exact same this Saturday against Tyrone. And if Donegal are missing, particularly if they're missing Langan and Murphy, they need him influencing the game. So, so they need to figure out a way to get Roy McHugh in it. Paddy McBrearty is probably not as sharp this time of year. I think Jason Foley probably got the better of him there in that regard. And Donegal, they didn't fire a shot in that game. They did not fire a shot. Even with the wind, okay, you can get the sense catastrophic trying to play into that in the first half. They fist the two points. They're seven points down at half time, And you're thinking, right, they've got a gale force win behind them. Can they use it? Can they get McBrearty onto it? They didn't. And it was just a flat performance for them. And I know they're missing key players, but... They're missing Langan. Langan and Murphy, I think, they're, they're, they're two best players. Jamie Brennan. Yeah. Where, where is... Are Donegal progressing? Are they getting better? Are they, is there anything new we're learning from them? And I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Not in the you league, know, anyway. Days, yeah. But... I, like, I would, I would suggest that we're going to see... Our first proper glimpse of Donegal this weekend against Tyrone. It's a must-win game. Uh, Declan Bonner was saying after the game they're not going to risk Michael Murphy. He's been out with a hamstring injury over the last couple of weeks. Says Jamie Brennan's still a few weeks away. Michael Langan's struggling. So we'll just have to wait and see. So he's hoping the two Michaels will be back. And uh, Keenan McGonigal, who has been a big player for him in the last 18 months, is out as well. Broke a, ha- broke a bone in his hand. So... Look, that's going to be a big game for them this weekend. That's going to be one worth keeping an eye on. Same in Newbridge, Kildare Dublin, which I think is live in TG Cahar on the Sunday. James, we do have a question in on Sean O'Shea that I'm going to put to you. Uh, He was exceptional at the weekend. Very good. He was. Kicking off the left, kicking off the right, bursting through the middle, fisting ball over the bar, kicking freeze. Um, I don't have the name of the person who asked. I'm going to get that. But James, what is Sean O'Shea's best attribute in your opinion? Best attribute. Do you know the thing with Shawnee is is that he has so many strings to his bow. He he doesn't rely on just just one thing. He'll always be ninety five, if not a hundred percent, on his freeze. He has an engine. He can go and go and go and go and go, and he has a mentality where no matter what is going on in the game, he sticks at it. That's that is probably his best. If I would say what's his best best attribute, he's always showing for the ball, always long runs on the forty to get your your halfbacks up the field. He'll be providing that run for the kick pass, and it's actually is that a lateral run or is that a what kind yeah, of run is that? Yeah, I suppose he be yeah, it is a lateral run, but kind of diagonal run just yeah. from from the forty back back the field. But if that run isn't made your team have that slow build-up then because it's, if he if he doesn't show for the kick pass, the ball's going to be recycled with a hand pass and you're not out. So that's the thing that he offers most, I think, that no matter how the game is going, he's going to make that run every single time and get, get carry up the field. That is an essential role in a team. It's, it can go unnoticed, but you're talk, if you ask any team, any supporters watching games, get the ball up the pitch quickly. How do we transition quickly, particularly on turnovers, particularly in modern Gaelic football? We touched on it last year with Tyrone, the success they had in terms of moving away from a slow build-up and starting to kick past the ball. We've praised our man on it. Kerry, that is their A game. Kerry at their best is 
kick pass to the half-back line or kick pass to David Moore and it's a kick pass inside. It's a quick transition, but you can only do that if players are showing hard. And, and Sean O'Shea, I would say looking at him, one, I think his accuracy is off the charts. It's brilliant. If he gets the ball in his hands, he's scoring, but he's an aggressive player. I love his aggression. On, he's taken it on. And like, James, 100% agree. Even if it's not going well for him, he is standing up. If he gets the ball in his hands, he's direct. He's direct to get the ball, and when he has it, he's direct. You can't beat that. That is a brilliant characteristic to have. There's no point in being the sharpest shooter in town, but someone has to hand you the ball, and you have to be in space. There's great club players that can do that. At the highest level, you need to win the ball. You need to be direct. You need to be able to take your man on. And I just I love his aggression in his play. And you've seen it again at the weekend. Has it, and he's straight away he's squaring the man up, nearly like an inside forward. And he's like, right, I'm going by you. Or if you fail me, I'm just going to kick the free as well myself. Like so. Yeah. Um, but that that link role he plays for Kerry allows them to play their A game, and that that's where I feel we touched on where Kerry struggle when they do have to start building up slower and teams frustrate them, and Kerry have to start carrying the ball. That's where they struggle a bit. But if you allow them to kick the ball and he's getting on the ball around the forty. Hard to stop, very, very hard to stop. And he was he was a standout player by by a mile. He really was. On, on Sunday, even in those conditions, he was top class, even against the win in the second half with a couple of scores he got. When when you when this question came in, I was wondering like, is somebody gonna say his free taking? Because it is just so good. But I suppose you're right, Paddy, you can get players that can do that and they mightn't offer everything else around the field. Who played that link role for Dublin? Was that you for a bit? Did you play that role at times, making that run from... Yeah, not, not to the level of Sean O'Shea now, but... Um, was that your role, though, a lot of the time, to yeah, be that link been. player? Yeah, it would have been, because around 13, 14, 15, we would have played a very direct style of play, and we wanted, we kicked the ball. We kicked the ball so much. We McCarthy, Fenton, Flynn, Connolly, that was the game plan that suited those players, and I knew my role was to go out and be a link there, and, and Kieran Kilkenny as well was brilliant at it, that we were the guys that were going to show hard, and you're, you're, you're knackered when you get it. You're probably getting the ball 55, 60 yards from goal, but you've got the ball up the pitch, and now when, when I turn, it's two on two inside. Teams aren't set. That was the speed we were trying to play the game at. But you need to have players that can do that. And then, as Jim Gavin's kind of team went on, we, we became far more methodical about it. Teams were starting to flood back and play very defensive against us, and we had to tweak that. The kick-passing game didn't suit as much anymore, but um, that's where I, I, I'm looking at the way modern football's gone now over the last 18 months. I think Dublin are probably crying out for that, to have an option where they can kick the ball up the pitch. It's, it's higher risk. Mm. You're, you're, you're Potentially, you're turning the ball over more, but we said it. You're turning the ball over with a kick-pass inside the opposition's 45. You don't mind that as much because the reward is massive if you get it. You're getting one-on-ones. It's turning the ball over and around the middle with hand passes and sloppy handling or over carrying. That's yeah. the issue there. But like I would say, Kerry always, 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 even during the the time where maybe a bit more defensive systems were in play and that was the kind of the fad of the day, Kerry always want to kick the ball on. They always, they always have guys who can score and their A game has always been, can we get this ball up the pitch quickly? Did you ever yeah. stop kicking it, James? Ever which? Did you ever stop kicking it? Did you ever change that slightly or, or roll it back a bit we did and yeah I think it cost us a bit um, we kind of went into the the mindset of 
make less mistakes. Safety, well, yeah. Yeah, which is very dangerous territory. Like, I think that if you're, if you can kick the ball to Clifford six times, he only has to catch three of them to make the magic happen, do you know? Whereas if you're hand passing around, hand passing around, playing it safe, you're kind of going up the field slowly to get a, a shot on the loop. You're not going to do enough damage against the best teams. You have to kick the ball. We used to say, if you can get two kick passes in a move, your chances of getting a score yeah. go through the roof. If you can get two kick passes, one after another, is a guaranteed score nearly. With John, you know, if you have quality up front. Yeah. Um, and was that external get... pressure on mistakes? Like, where did that come? Why did that change? I suppose analysis of games and like we've talked about. The whole game went that way, did it? It was the Ulster teams for us. We would have looked at, if you look at where scores come from, uh, Tyrone and Donegal, a lot of their scores were from turnovers. Like over 75%. I remember we were looking in preparation of games, particularly against Donegal and Tyrone. They were the two standout ones. If you kick the ball away against them, they, they score from turnovers. Like literally three quarters of scores, they just break a pace. And that kind of, we became aware then of not giving them that oxygen, of keeping the ball and being far more methodical. And then it just kind of, it crept into nearly every team we played. <laughs> but that's where it started for us. We were looking at, hold on, we're playing Donegal at the weekend. They get 70, 80% of the scores from turnovers. They're nearly waiting for you to turn the ball over and then they break. So don't give them that opportunity. And you started getting into that risk-averse style of play. And it's like, I'd normally, if we were playing Kildare or Mead or Leinster Championship game, I'd kick that ball. But because against this opposition, you're nearly falling into their trap. And we started doing it. And it just kind of just crept into every team we played against them. We started doing that. It was just that period of time. Yeah, that, That's how it started for us. So it's, it's, it's 16, 17, 18, James, is it? Or less? That we stopped kicking it. Mm. Or, or less well, I don't think we, kicking I don't think we stopped kicking it, but it was, as Paddy, you're right when you said, what are Kerry? Kerry are a kicking team. Yeah. But I think that that definitely reduced. And it was interesting to hear Jack O'Connor when he was talking about the game against Kildare in, in Newbridge. Yeah. He said they stopped kicking it. He said we have to keep kicking it. And he'll give them license to make mistakes. Mm. He'll say keep kicking keep kicking if it's the right thing just keep doing it okay yeah when you have that back and then you'll see players take those risks so let's go around the grounds lads a little bit more and I'm going to bring in a few questions here we've got a, a lot in on our Instagram page at footballpod underscore GAA just going to go back again briefly to, to London we've got Michael Maher um, if anyone's listened to this podcast at 6am on Tuesday morning fair play to you you, you've got it just after I finished editing it and posting it on Tuesday night. So um, you will be glad to know that in the next hour or so, live on OTBM at about half seven on Tuesday morning, eight o'clock Tuesday morning, Michael Maher, the London-born London manager, who's only about 32, 33. Jesus, Paddy, he might be younger than you, is he? He will be, yeah. There you go. Um, and you're only 33. You're only 33, aren't you? Only a young one, yeah. You're only a young fella. And James, you're perennially 25. I look older than the two years sometimes. That's so. Michael Myers is going to join us in OTM this morning. Unbelievable, unbelievable going so far. They've had their the three wins. They bet Leitrim. Uh, I've been informed that Leitrim hit the bar twice in injury time. I didn't. I only saw the one shot to come back off the underside of the bar as they chased that game. But just 
an unbelievable story. Like they didn't. I think he's too, started... much, too much funding in London. They should be split. Yeah, split into four. Is that Massive population in that city. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll wait and see how that goes over the rest of that campaign. But they're now sitting top of Division Four. Sligo didn't play. They were set to face Cavan and Park. That's been kicked back. That'll be a game we're keeping an eye on in the off week for football. There'll be some good games that weekend. Um, and as we mentioned, there's a few other good results as well. We have a question in on Derry, Paddy. Um, looking at another big win against Cork at the weekend. McShar wants to know. Are, not, I actually, if you'd asked this question at the start of the year, I might have laughed. But it kind of feels like we're entering back into the space of 2009, 10, 11, where any of seven or eight teams could win the All-Ireland back then. He wants to know, are Derry serious contenders yet? For the All-Ireland? I presume he means that, yeah. I agree to a point that I think this is a very open championship. Probably the most open, in, you're right, probably probably a decade. That The traditional thing of Dublin and Kerry being a little bit further ahead, I don't think that's the case anymore. The results are suggesting that. You're looking at Mayo, who are always in the mix and are getting stronger and stronger. They still have their key guys to come back. Killian O'Connor obviously be back. They're starting to get more and more game time into Kevin McLaughlin at the weekend, Aidan O'Shea, Jason Doherty's like a new player. They're going to be right in the mix. Joyce is getting a tune out of Galway so far this season. They will be under pressure to perform. And then you're looking at, at the Northern teams. Like, like for the last three or four years, you were probably saying Donegal were the, were the leaders in that pack. I don't think that's the case anymore. Tyrone come out of nowhere and win the All-Ireland. And then you have Armagh and Derry, these really exciting teams who are still in the even though McGinney's been there a while and Rory Gallagher's been there a while with Derry, they're still probably in the early stages. They haven't had a big championship run. They've been making really, really steady progress through the National Leagues. You look at Derry, probably with Galway, you'd fancy them to come up. I know the Rossies might say something about that as well, but you could fancy them getting into Division 1. Yeah. Derry could have a say. I think an All-Ireland is, is a bit soon for them and probably the same for Armagh, but I definitely think an Ulster Championship is is a target, a realistic target for them. And, and then look, if you win a provincial championship, the way that this season is starting to pan out... You're in the mix. You're in the mix. You're yeah. in the mix. Like, the teams are not going to fear the traditional teams of, of going and playing Kerry or going and playing Dublin or going and playing Mayo. Like, say, it is an open championship. And if they can win an Ulster championship, I'm sure Rory Gallagher is going to be looking at, and I'm sure McGinney is with Armagh, there is a gap in the market for for new teams to push into that top category and Derry are without a doubt going to be looking to do that over the next couple of months um, there was a lot of people who got in touch last week about the fantasy seven aside teams surprisingly Paddy got a bit of shtick for all the dubs that he picked on the spot there's people asking how how was Keith Evans not in the mix McShar also said shame on the two lads how did they forget Peter Canavan oh, like, to be fair Canavan in did you put Canavan? We didn't have Canavan in. We were chatting about Canavan. This is what happened <laughs> off air. Was there a question? We'll give the best you another chance. End, end of the league. End of the league. We give you a best chance to rewrite your team. Best forward lines. I know you had Canavan in, but you edited that bit out. So okay, maybe that was I, it. I, I will hold my hand up, Peter Canavan. What year, what year did Canavan? But you see, Canavan there. had two parts of his career. Oh, three five. Yeah, it's oh five. He's kind of coming off the bench. Oh three, he scores that iconic goal. Like he is, he is unbelievable. Oh uh, five, average goal. Oh five. Average. <laughs> what oh, do you mean? It's the goal best goals I've ever seen in an All-Ireland final. That was 05, Tommy. 03, he was in and out. Oh, with oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 05 was the goal. Yeah, against Kerry, yeah. Oh. Peter Canavan was good at football. Unbelievable. 
yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, you you got it there, Maxure. Um, thoughts on Tyrone's perceived lack of depth after retirements, the players have stepped away, and now after Kildare, we had a chat about that. I'm I'm not sure Tyrone are that bad on depth, are they? There's one here on here it is, Dahi Boland, one of my colleagues, and off the ball has a brilliant question. Then, Paddy, does Kieran Kilkenny need to become more selfish? Off the back of James's brilliant summary of why he'd love to have played with him, I started thinking about how excited we all were about Kieran Kilkenny when he first broke through at underage level and in and around that 2012 season. He changed his game after that and became so influential in another way, and he did so for the team. But does the Dublin side of 2022 now need him to go back to those prodigious days when he was a ruthless scoring machine? Dahi referenced the game, an underage game in Castle Lock, where he reckons uh, Kilkenny scored four 12 out of 416 or something like that and he says you would have been well aware of that being from Bridget's over the road so <laughs> um, I think Kieran has the ability and, and like the, the best players he can do he can fulfil any role for a team he has the quality to play there I think he's played centre back with his club he's just an outstanding footballer so in his underage career the teams he was in, they needed an out-and-out scorer and he could do that and he was racking up sensational scores at minor and under 21 level. Came into the Dublin team and the requirement, particularly with Alan Brogan probably coming to the end of his career was we needed someone to dictate the play and be a link player and he has the quality to do that as well. Like we're talking about Sean O'Shea in, in one regard. Brilliant centre forward. He could probably do a job midfield. He was brilliant at stages last year inside as well. So depending on what the team needs, Kieran has the ability to do to to do both roles. Where Dublin are at now, I'd say, do we put him inside and I'd have him as a target man? Yeah, you could do that, but then who who links the play? Who plays at centre forward? Because that I feel that's where Dublin need to get to. I think they need to transition the ball a hell of a lot quicker up the pitch. I think they need to be direct. But to do that, like we just said with Sean O'Shea, you need to have a guy who can show, who's aggressive, who's fit, who's smart and who can win the ball along the 40 and dictate play. So who does that if Kieran Kilkenny goes inside? And this is the challenge that Dublin are in at the minute. We, in, to give an example, in 2019, Dublin, we had this conversation and Jim played him inside for the whole National League. I was playing inside with him and he was racking up serious scores. But we had the luxury of doing that because we had Thurma Connolly or Kevin McMenamin or someone that sent the forward. So, so there was a depth to the squad that we could afford to move him around. And Conor Callahan was playing at, out at number 11. Whereas Dublin don't have that look, particularly now with Khan still injured. I would like to see a situation when Khan comes back that he plays at 14, Kieran's at 11, and those two guys are linking up and they can switch. That's the beauty because they're two brilliant players. It might be a case that Kieran can go in for 10 minutes and play inside there as well. But right now, with the quality of players available at the minute for Dublin, I think he has to play at centre forward because if he's not, who gets the ball up the pitch to him? What was he like to play alongside in the full forward line? Not when he was in centre forward. What was he like to play alongside in the full forward line? As opposed to, say, a, a Bernard Brogan or an Owen O'Gara. But he played a, a very similar role to what Bernard Brogan and Owen O'Gara would have done. He was staying on the square. That was a, a distinct tactic we had that he was going to be the closest guy to goal because he has the ability to to score. Like He can rack up major scores. You probably don't appreciate it or see it as much when he's out the field. But in that period, I was going out playing around the top of the D and Kieran was inside 
And he was an absolute... He racked up massive scores all through that National League. I remember we played Kerry in, in Croker. Uh, Paul Murphy was, was marking him, nearly expecting him to play out the pitch. And he stayed on the square. And then Paul was kind of probably struggling playing full back. Didn't expect it. But he is a handful. He's, he's so strong. He's so strong. He's so direct. If the ball is kicked in there, he's getting hands on it. And you're either fouling them or he's getting a shot off, similar to someone like like a Clifford, like a Sean O'Shea, like a Conor Callahan. These guys are the top, top, top players in the game. But the challenge for Dublin is, do we put them inside and then you're taken away from someone who's going to link the play and dictate play around centre-forward? They don't have that, that luxury of three or four years ago where they can afford to do that. I think he probably has to play out the pitch and they need to get Conor Callahan back inside uh, to fulfil that role. Um, if Dublin are going to be successful, those two guys are need to be at. Those two guys are going to be the key to shooting them to, to the All-Ireland. That's just the reality of it now. It's interesting how human Dublin have become in the space of six, seven, eight months. And it just is unfolding in front of our eyes. And, you know, you've made that point earlier on that it's now like, like Dublin have gone back to the pack. If Dublin are missing Conor Kilkenny in championship later in the year, it's the same Massive. as Kerry missing Kerry or, uh, Clifford O'Shea. Yeah. It's the same as, you know, Mayo losing the likes of a Tommy Conroy or Killian O'Connor last year. It's such a huge blow now. Whereas before, as you said, Jack McCaffrey, Rory O'Carroll, Paul Mannion could all walk out and it wouldn't make a difference. But that wasn't normal. No. Like at the time you're, you're in it, you don't appreciate it. You probably, you don't appreciate it. It's just like, okay, we'll deal with this. Someone else will step in. The normal thing is that if key players are missing and has an impact. We look at Donegal without Langan and Murphy, they will struggle without those players. You look at Kerry without Clifford and O'Shea, they will struggle. And Dublin are in the exact same situation. You take out a, a Fenton and a Kieran or or Khan and, and Fenton, that has a massive impact on, on Dublin being successful or not. And that's normal. That's what you expect. Whereas the three or four years there were it, it, it didn't have an impact if guys were injured. No one cared. We didn't talk about injuries or suspensions or anything like that, whereas that's the reality now. And you look at the All-Ireland Champions last last weekend, you take out the four best players. That That's the reality. The top teams, if you're missing two or one or two of your key guys, yeah, you are up against it to try and win the championship. James, it, stri- the it strikes me that if a reigning Kerry footballer of the year or a Kerry All-Star had decided to take a year out of football, he'd have to be smuggled out of the county before the news broke. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. That never happened to you, did it? Did anyone ever take a year out or step away? Or it, no. You were in a different space, I suppose, your team, but that, that never happened, did it? No, Calvin. it never did. Calvin take your, no, sorry. Calvin he kind of retired and came back, didn't he? Calvin retired in 13 after EB and he yeah. came back in 15. Mm, um, okay. So, but he was. That's different. Plan to leave, yeah. But no, I I couldn't imagine anyone walking walking from the panel with the view. Say, fair enough. Does Mannion ever want to go back? Who knows? But in Kerry, I think that I know. <laughs> he doesn't. I know. Yeah, but in Kerry, I think that you couldn't leave the dressing room and try and get back in. Then, do you know? I just don't think that would be enough. Is it a dressing room thing? I suppose it is. You know, you're you're all in it together. And if you kind of, if you say, look, I'm taking I'm taking um, some time away, it's hard then to 
to, uh, to get back in? I suppose. Were you faced with that predicament? Yeah. I Looking back now, I probably wish I did take a year out, but that was more for body surgery, surgery and things. Yeah, it wouldn't have been a a choice to do it like, but it would have been, it would have definitely been the right thing. But it's a very hard decision to make because as we said in the other, the other week, you're greedy, you know, you're only in there for five or six years, maybe at playing at your best. You need to take every chance. Mm. Like it was easier probably for the boys to, to walk away when they had six alarms in their back pocket. I'd always, I'd always say lads, and it's funny and you have this conversation, not just Dubs, but, but people from other counties when, when you're finished up, it's such a personal decision. And now you can look from the outside and say, why is that fellow walking away? Or you can, on the other side, you go, how is your man still hanging on? And it's it's just, it's such a personal decision. You put so much into it, you make so much sacrifices, and ultimately you can decide and say, this isn't for me. It's, it's become mature. I'm not enjoying it. I'm going to take a step away. And people might look at you from the outside and go, what are you doing? Why would you walk away from Dublin? Or why would you carry or the likes? And on the other side, you look and go, guys they were there for 14, 15, 16 years and going, how is your man still hanging on? Yeah, yeah. You know, he should be gone. And it's like, it's a personal decision. It's a well, way I of thought, life. I thought, you know, there was a lovely little vignette of Mannion before the All-Ireland Club final. And I thought he put it so well when he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was just talking about how he wasn't able to commit himself to give what he had given for so long because he had given so much. And he knew, like, I felt like he knew he would have been lying to himself and his teammates if he had stuck around and he didn't want to be there. So I suppose you are right. Like, obviously, it's a very personal thing. Like, so I suppose when it's not there, it's just not there. Like, so it's a shame. There's a lot of Dublin fans listening in right now, Paddy, and they were looking at you, nodding your head and laughing. They're saying, you know, I'd say they're still hoping that Paul Mannion's going to be back in a Dublin jersey someday. Uh, look, so, so would I. I'm a, I'm a Dublin fan. You know, when he's an amazing, an amazing player. Very good friend. Fortunate to build a great relationship with him over the years. And I'd love to see him. You see the quality he has. And what a difference he could make with Dublin. But like I say, that's, he doesn't know anyone anything. When he was there in that squad for that period of time, he was sensational for Dublin. Um, a key player for our success. And I put Jack in this category as well. Stephen finishing up, all these guys, it's like they don't owe anyone anything. And when they were there, they gave everything. You could never question for a second their commitment and their dedication and their sacrifice to the team and to our supporters and to everyone for our success. And if it comes to a stage where a player, not just those guys, but but any player in the county level turns around and says, listen, I am not willing to give this commitment. I, I have work, I have personal stuff, my family, whatever it is. I think that is a choice the players are entitled to make. And yes, as a supporter, you'd love to see them there, but you've got to understand this is not someone's job. This is not a profession. Despite it may feel like that at times, it's a choice to play. And for those guys, that's the, that's the choice they've made. And I would have no no reservations about about what they've done, the choices they've made, and and what they gave to the teams as well. So they don't know anyone anything. Hundred percent. A few quick ones, lads, before we wrap up, because James Donahue, you've done very well to make it this far. You've been probably on this podcast. You've been on this podcast longer than your flight home from Prague. Right. Uh, By an air flight as well. 
Callum has been in touch with about five questions, but I'm going to save some of them. Some of them are very career related, so I'm going to save them for another day. So thanks for sending them in, Callum. This is interesting because they both came in at the same time and it only needs a quick answer. Killian Moran and Mark Dunna. Killian Moran said, there was a good few chances to lob the keeper this weekend and players didn't take them. Why? And then Mark Dunna said, should teams now be practicing shooting into open goals from 45 metres? The situation is happening a lot now. Paddy, yeah. jump in. Yeah, I, th- I think they should. Like, I, I think this is a trend that you're going to see. I've seen Daniel Flynn's attempt. Yeah, uh, It didn't come off. Clifford tried in the Sigerson. The wind held it up. Clifford tried it as well. These are, we've seen, did Offaly got a goal. Was it against Offaly in Tullamore? Where they lobbed the keeper a couple of weeks ago. You're, you're yeah, it see was Shane McGuigan. Shane McGuigan lobbed. Shane McGuigan for Derry. Yeah, you're going to yeah. see these opportunities. You'll, I think you'll continue to see it. You'll see it in the championship. It's, it's a ballsy play. But I think we will start seeing more and more of these over the next couple of weeks. Definitely. James, you feel the same way? So would you be practicing that? Would you be you said how how few how little time you have to practice one on ones? Would you be spending time practicing (laughs) lobbing the keeper from forty five meters? But if I if I saw a fella swinging outside of the boot at us and again with no control, it would be frustrating for, for your team. It has to be the right decision at the right time. And like the right Clifford's player one, as well. The right player. Barton needed the right player. Yeah. Well, Clifford's one for UL. He went inside of the boot. Mm. Did you see it? Yeah. yeah. Tricky conditions as well for that. Like, it was. It I was. think you've got to put a bit on it. Because you if you left it from 40, 50 yards, yeah. full back or the quarterback might get in, you've got to try and rifle one in. Like, I, I guarantee you, we will see at least two or three of them in the championship this summer. That'll be class. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be class. Uh, there's, there's actually, I should have looked at these questions earlier because there's so many good ones. Preparation, Tommy, come yeah, on. There you go. Uh, Shane McDonald, hope Paddy enjoys watching Dublin in Division 2 next year. Jonathan Moffat, relegation for Dublin. Okay, these are only trolling us here. Uh, Owen Line. Hey, it's re- my face. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Lino had some really good questions in about a free takers that I've actually saved and put on our doc for next week. So we're going to get into that. And uh, there's a couple of questions in on Mayo as well that we're going to come back to again. We're going to move on to our fantasy now in a moment, lads. Paddy Andrews, the transfer window is opening this week. So you can make changes to your team. I can make them for you if you want. Just password one more time. I will. I'll send them on to you. And we're going to have a look now at the top of the table. So we've had a switch here at the top of the table. James O'Donoghue is still doing quite well. I don't know how. Take the team and prag me, were you? Yeah. <laughs> so, it was a double game week last week. It was a double game week. didn't have to make any changes. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm just looking at my team there. I had a heap of zeros. Uh, Connor Doherty didn't start for Derry. Paddy Durkin didn't play for Mayo. Shane Walsh's game was... Ter- uh, wasn't wasn't on. I feckin' still have Conor Callan in my team after I thought he might start against Kerry. Silly. I should have gone for the insider information off Paddy there. You still um, have Florida Brogan in your team, do you? Yeah. So shout out to Martin McNamara, who has now streaked ahead to the top of the table. I played fantasy Gaelic for a couple of years now, and I've always seen this man's name up there. The Acker Club seemed to have a load of boys playing. Uh if you get enough players from your club playing, 
you can end up winning the club prize, which is a fairly decent wedge of money for your for your club at the end of the campaign. So Kiel Warriors, top of the table, 594 points. Fair play to you. Overtakes Kevin Ford and Niall Hassan, who were our top of the table leaders last week. And James Farley, known as Snakey, played in goals for Cavan for years, played at the Kingsford Stars Club. I played at him in DCU. Snakey is in third position, 587 points. So moving down the table, where are we? 38th position, Jods Gods, Killarney Legion, James O'Donoghue, 469 points, boy. And what's leading 580? 594, so you're 120 off. You're a triple captain and a wild card off. I'm in 41st. Daniel's playing this week. I'm four points off you. And Paddy, last. Buddy, you're in 83rd position. You're not last, but you're in 83rd. We're going to have to get some. I don't know how many. Proper changes. <laughs> How I many think, are in this league? I think there's 140, 130 oh, maybe. So we've got a serious amount of people that. in our league, which is great. Like, so thanks very uh, much. I'm going to give it some time this week. Ah, do you know Very what I have tanks. to do this week? I have to say thanks to David Whelan, Dub Match Tracker, Allianz Dub Match Tracker on Whelan. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reached out to me there last week, James. I haven't told you about this, but you'll be interested in it. A lovely DM. And I had to run it by Paddy first to make sure it was okay. But Oh, sorry. Right. So, Paddy. <laughs> A decade ago, met David at a house party and gave him. Uh, what did you give him one of your Dublin jerseys from from back in the day? I don't really remember this, but I would have had a few house parties now back in the day. Yeah, we know what about Adam. <laughs> and it, was, it was at your house party. Yeah. So uh, I heard Paddy say on the pod last week that he had no jerseys left for fancy prizes. Boo hoo. He didn't say that. I doubt he remembers, but he actually gave me his debut Dublin jersey <laughs> about 11 or 12 years ago. I went looking for it when he retired to gift it back to him in a frame with a photo, but there was no sign of it. My sister now reckons it was taken from her dorm in college all those years back. What a disaster. That's, that's, that, was, that was a big prize for someone there. Like. So if anyone the has nicked that jersey, jersey if that anyone fetched some serious dollars on Instagram. So Dublin debut jersey, are we talking number two, number four? Debut jersey, championship. Um, you played against Loud. I think you were wing forward that day, were you? 2008. Uh, number 12, probably. Yeah. Wing forward. Jesus. I'd say it was a better cornerback than I was a wing forward. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Number 12, I think it would have been. Okay. 2008. 2008. Wow. So, oh, look at whoever stole Paddy Andrews' debut jersey from David Whelan's sister's dorm. Fair play to you. You've had your fun, but it's probably a decade on now. Give it back. Right. But also, right, this is the twist in the story. I'm going to put these images on screen. James, you'll be interested in this. Paddy also gave me this beautiful kit. Tom O'Sullivan's number seven jersey from Dublin Kerry and Turles in 2001. His brother's pattern must have swapped it on the day. You guys are welcome to it for a fantasy prize. I have no use for it after Kerry Bettis at the weekend. I can't have any Kerry, anything Kerry related in the house after that fiasco. Day. Tom O'Sullivan. The great Tom beautiful, O'Sullivan. beautiful piece of kit. Did you say number seven? The number seven. Yeah, class, class jersey. Gorgeous. Kerry jerseys are always class. Now you can never wear one, obviously it's a double, like, <laughs> but that's that's class. Tom Sullivan, that is nice. I don't think Tom Sullivan was number seven that day. I thought, did he ever play out half back? Tomas was five. Killian Young was number Killian four. Young was, now. Playing, was he? 2001. Killian Who? Young was young football of the year in 2007. So Killian Young. Nah, Killian Young playing. wasn't playing. It's Hang on. Which one, Jimmy? No, no, no. No, no, no. That was the one, man. Which was the Morris Fitzgerald. Morris Fitzgerald's sideline. Patter was marking. Oh, yeah. uh, Get back Aiden, to Prague. 
He was marking Nader and McGarrett, <laughs> but so I don't know how he would have got Thomas Sullivan's. Um, but Did yeah, he run so, away? You, so you have that now. Uh, Nathan Murphy actually has it because Dave gave oh, it to him down at Jude's training last week. So I'm going to get it off Nathan and we're going to give it away as a prize in the football pod. Um, Evan Talty was also in touch, IGA coach, and he's going to give us a, one of the brilliant coaching boards as a prize this year. And we're building a little uh, a little package, package here for I'm some of the winners. checking the phone there. No word from Muggsy or anyone from Tyrone for his jersey. So, okay. if he doesn't claim it, I reckon we should throw that up as an old prize as well. So Lovely. Be interested in that. that could be class. Uh, again, James, we're, we're just looking at you for your uh, your famous boots. From, from I'm only joking. I'm only joking. James, who was your hero back in 01? How you would have been a kid back then? What would you have been? I was still going. Or Fitzy. Yeah. I was 11, yeah. Were you, um, at the, were you at the first game? Were you at the replay? I was at the first game, yeah. Not the replay. Um, I suppose Morris was always the man. Yeah, wasn't he? He was like the Johnny Crowley was good that year as well. No, yeah, mm, he was a tank. He never got the respect he deserved. Johnny Crowley, oh, he's a couple of all stars. No, he was an all star that year. Surely he he was. was. I'd say he he lost his place to Mike Frank. I think, and they Mike brought Frank him in box office as well. Yeah, yeah. He had he was another fellow with savage hands. Had he Johnny Crowley? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Class, they have a chance, but Kerry would bait the ball in from <laughs> their back position into into him, and he'd he'd, he'd win the majority of them. Oh, Canada be inside with him as well, wouldn't he? He'd be Crowley, yeah. That was a forward line, yeah. yeah. I think Paddy Christie scored two goals in the replay. Johnny Crowley, if I'm not mistaken, that Kerry team was actually oh, Daisy yes. Farrell missed a goal chance that day inside the square. Yes, he was in the square. Yeah, <laughs> he was in the square. The I never had his reaction afterwards. He actually had a laugh about it. That would have. Uh, <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible yeah, stuff. It was the worst miss I've actually I've ever seen. I would say it's probably not far off. <laughs> Collie Moran had a bad miss. Collie Moran had a bad miss that day as well. No, he, he ran the twenty-one. Collie Moran would have scored one of the greatest goals ever scored in Gaelic football. He ran the length of the fields, uh, playing one twos. The ball comes across from him. I think he tried to volley it and missed an open net. I remember he he took a free from the twenty-one in front of the post. And it missed by about twenty yards. <laughs> it was this was all in the one game. It was on the space of about ten minutes. Yeah, but, uh, Desi and that one, they were. Do you know what, lads? They were some games. I think it was yeah. the last year. It was last year. Yeah, it was your luck. The year anniversary. They uh, they showed them back, and I remember going to Turles at the time. So Dublin had back. To Dublin had been outside uh, Crow Park in the years, even back then. Um, <laughs> And the atmosphere for those games. The first time they played Kerry in years in the championship. And uh, You were below, so weren't carried... you? You were down there, what? weren't you? you were I was down, at you both were... of them, yeah. yeah. I, I was at both of them. I was at 11 or 12 as well. And uh, Kerry were the all-earned champion. Uh, the O'Shea's, McCarroll's, Canada. Moynihan was still playing. Moynihan was lording it around. Um, I was class. Class. Fell in love with the game back then. Dub match tracker. Allianz Dub Match Tracker, David Whelan. I use the bloody Twitter account every weekend. Give him a follow and uh, give Evan Talty, IGA coach, a follow as well. So shout out to the two lads who put up those two prizes. We're going to be digging out a few more over the next couple of weeks for our fantasy Gaelic league here on the football pod. Paddy Andrews, thank you very much for joining me this week. You've had the whole up all as week, always. but you've delivered. And James O'Donoghue, you have made it through the show. Fair play to you, boy. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> he looks shook, man. 
Get to bed. We'll yeah, talk to you on bed. Thursday. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. This has been episode five of the Football Pod with Paddy and James. We're going to be back next Monday. We'll see you all then. Enjoy the football this weekend.